When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> you just don't make them like that anymore, man. Nah. Right, let's get this shit shown the road. Of the 20 Minute Tim's flagship podcast, and I'm joined by two podcasting titans and Martin. Present, we didn't expect the first name there again, sir. And Stephen. Yes, I'm here. Good evening. And I'm your host, Jamie. And have we got some business to talk about, Stephen? I'm not going to plug the Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's, where you get all extra content. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to plug anything else, Stephen. All I'm going to say is we've arrived in a new era of Celtic supporting, haven't we? Yeah, and for a change, we weren't completely run, rendered redundant within 24 hours. Last week, we, mm. we got a full day of the last podcast before it was useless to anyone because we spent that that entire podcast talking about what was going on with Lennon. And just a couple of days later, was it the, the Tuesday night, I think it was, the smoke signals started to come through uh, that Lennon was going to be no longer with us in a managerial sense uh, very, very shortly. Yeah, Melly, the news sort of leaked late in the evening that through the, the Sun newspaper, which, as we've mentioned before in this podcast, if there's a Neil Lennon leak in the Sun, it's usually coming from his agent. So when I saw it in the Sun, I had a, a fair degree of confidence it was true that a leak was coming that Neil Lennon would be resigning or leaving his post as Celtic manager within 24 hours. What did you make of when you first saw that announcement? Uh, I thought it, I believe it when I seen it because we've felt that so many times that this has to be it. But when it got there in the morning and it came out, I, I was shocked to be honest because I didn't expect it. It should have happened a long time ago, but I thought he'd be here to the end of the season. I'd sort of made peace with that. I thought, look, he's had he's had his chances. The board have had their chances. I just thought it would just peter out to the end of the season, but. After we spoke about it last week and you said that he's talking himself out of a job, there was nothing left. Before we've said there was nothing left and now we were just, there was no barrel to scrape anymore. So it had to happen. Stephen, the, the, the timing of it was peculiar for me because I, I, I bit like Melly, I was like, well, I was kind of resigned. I'm leaving at the end of the season. And then we got this announcement sort of kind of just after the Ross County game, but losing to Ross County, this is how bad this season's got. That didn't really strike me as a watershed moment in the season. Like, uh, there have been so many types of these things. Nah, when, I, when we lost to Ross County, I wasn't going, right, that's definitely it. Because we were okay under the impression that he wasn't even bulletproof, but we were kind of under the impression, I suppose, that he was there at least until the very end of the season. What were your initial reactions when you saw that that night? Yeah, the exact same. I was very surprised because... You mentioned the word bulletproof. To all intents and purposes, up to that point, he was because we'd wondered if there was any level to which Celtic could sink that would see a manager lose his job because mm-hmm. we saw, as you said, time and time again this season, we had scraped new lows. We thought we'd hit rock bottom only to find hitherto unseen levels of misery the very mm-hmm. next week or whatever. So by the time yeah, we, we spoke about it last week, of course, and we did we did a reaction to it um, on the morning that Neil Lennon has left. We had that out on Patreon. So a few days on, I'm, I'm kind of so used to the idea now. It's as if he's never been here. It's as if he's been away for years now that I, it's it's hard to, to look back on and, and sum up my feelings on it. But it was 
very much won a surprise because the just a couple of days before we heard about how he didn't see why he wasn't going to be the next or, or the guy here next season, yeah. the guy who was going to do the rebuild. A few weeks ago, it was about how well, they're going to have to sack me. I, I've given too much to this job. This is I love this job and all that kind of stuff. And f- for the, then to be resulting in a resignation just a couple of days after that result, I found it all a bit a bit odd. It, it's a strange emotion. It's not full surprise because, as Mel has already said, it, you can't really be surprised about something that was inevitable for months. But at the same time, the timing of it was quite strange, ultimately. I do wonder about the timing because... As you say, it was it was inevitable that he was eventually going to go as far as I was concerned. But this this sacking was peculiar to me because nothing out of the un- unusual had happened as far as this season had gone. And it does make me wonder, part of me thinks, well, maybe maybe things behind the scenes are a wee bit more advanced than we think they are. And perhaps in the next coming weeks or next coming month or in the very near future, or in the nearer future than we think, perhaps Celtic's new manager w- will arrive at the club or at least be announced, or a starting date of some sort will be announced. That's, mm. for me, one of the reasons why I think Celtic announced it when they did. The fact that he's gone, though, you know, I'm re- I'm just relieved, overall is relieved. Yeah. I know it's a, I know it's a shitty thing to say about somebody's employment, but at the end of the day, I'm just relieved, Melly, that, that Neil Lennon's gone. It was, it was a decision that should have been made, and we'll talk about why and how and all that sort of stuff, but it should have been made a long time ago. If the board were willing to sack the Celtic manager, as they clearly obviously were, demonstrably were, then why wait until things got this bad before you sacked him? It's it's just another bad decision by the board and a long, long line this season of, of bad decisions. But ultimately, I'm relieved that he's gone and I feel like there's a bit of stress and pressure being taken off the side a wee bit. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a relief. I think we were all very anxious that the way Neil Lennon was talking, is the structure of Celtic going to change, but he's going to remain in charge? We can't go into a new season with him in charge. It just it wouldn't work out. We'd be one game away from disaster. So at least we've had that anxiety taken away. I know it's not nice, a guy losing his job, but it was done months and months ago, never mind in the last month or two. So it's one of those ones... Aye, it's relief, but it's more relief for the long term and it, it lifts that cloud away where you think, right, okay, now I can get behind something for the last yeah. eight games. We've got something to sort of fight for. I think it's a decent opportunity for John Kennedy himself, but also it's a good opportunity for the fans to get back behind the, the team again and the club because we it's just felt so fractured recently because they've the, had this hanging over us. Now we've got that sort of lift now to what between now and the end of the season. Hopefully we can stop certain things happening and you get that wee bit of excitement again watching the team, but more so that who's the new guy going to be? There's all this chat. So it gives you that bit of excitement for next season. See, just a thing on the... Yes, it's a guy losing his employment and all that stuff. Right, okay, but I think we need to remember as well, and I, I try not to get too precious or too concerned about those kind of things, but mainly because he's a football manager. Football managers get sacked all the time. He's not, and I'm just picking jobs off the top of my head. He doesn't work in a call centre. He doesn't work for the council or something like that. He's not, you know, he, he doesn't really have to worry too much about his employment prospects going forward. What we've seen in football is that football managers get jobs jobs after jobs after jobs until they don't really want to do it anymore so I don't really have any worries about the guy it's not no I'm not worried but it's just worth mentioning before we go on and talk about how glad we are that somebody's been sacked it's worth worth noting that I mean it's worth mentioning the fact you know I I can all but as I say I don't I'm not even talking about the money side of it you obviously will have come to some sort of agreement going away from it but you know he'll, he'll be absolutely fine I'm not really that worried about it I think the the problem was any issues with a guy losing his job are far, far, far outweighed by the fact that he just wasn't doing it to a decent standard I anymore sure. and yeah. so much was riding on it going forward, especially in the next season. And part of the part of the emotion that we felt in this weekend and the, the build up to it is that we thought he was going to be here next season, as, as Melly said, and that was unacceptable in a lot of people's eyes. Another thing we can talk about with the timing of it is that it might look a little bit cynical towards this time of year because the yeah. board are clearly thinking about season ticket renewal time and they just they just couldn't get away with it. They could not possibly nope, nah, release that. They couldn't ask anyone to put their hand in their pocket with Neil Lennon. Not only still there, but also heavily implying that he's going to be there next season. That was a that was like a, a standoff. That was like an immovable object and an irresistible force. It couldn't continue like that. 
There was a, a Neil Lennon's comments before he gets sacked and before the and, and I think by all accounts that from from what we've heard subsequently, he was allowed to resign, but he was he, mm. he really wasn't given much of a choice. It was by all intents and purposes a sacking. Some of his comments were really peculiar, you know, and and some of it was was a bit like like just purposefully defiant, sort of somewhat goading the fans a wee bit. And then as I said, and you touched on Melis, the stuff he was saying after the, the Ross County game, I said it on this podcast exactly a week ago. I was like, he sounded like a guy talking himself out of a job, all this stuff about, yeah, well, this, the set pieces, I don't know what to do for them anymore and I don't know how much I can do it. And you're like, he was talking as if he, he didn't know he could. He didn't know how to solve the problems that were faced in front of him, and at that point, that's a hundred percent time to go. But Melly, realistically, the board don't really get any credit here, do they? For sacking the man, oh, this should have been done October. I mean, this is the biggest. This is the biggest. I told you so. From a set of fans <laughs> to a football club that I've seen in a long, long time. Possibly ever. I mean, it's not. It's not going to get brilliant, and we're not going to come back to any great extent. But at the same time. Why is it okay for John Kennedy now? Why is he suddenly good enough now to take charge of the team on an interim basis when he wasn't a month ago, two months ago, three months ago? The board have really shown themselves up again and it subsequently came out that they approached Gordon Strachan and Martin O'Neill in Madness. November to take over from uh, Neil Lennon. Now, if you look at that in isolation, crazy, absolutely crazy. Gordon Strachan, Martin O'Neill... Martin O'Neill's not been a club manager for a long, long time. Gordon Strachan even longer. Probably don't Gordon Strachan's managed since Neil Lennon became a manager at a club level. Mm. And if you're going to get somebody in, why are you getting these guys in who mm. are probably footballing dinosaurs now is a way to describe them, but also they're his mentors. Like these guys are his mates. Which is probably guys part of the reason they didn't take the job. No, exactly. Just, so that you know. just shows the lack of planning that the two guys they can come up with are guys that captained and gave this guy a big chance in his career and they're going to ask them to come and sort of blade him and take over his job. It was never going to happen. And the fact that they're going to these two guys just shows they have no plan whatsoever. These two guys that Gordon Strachan did himself no favours on Celtic TV on Saturday there, we'll probably talk about that. But Martin O'Neill, he's not been a club manager for years or a successful one at that football's passed these guys by and we are going back to them as if to save the biggest season uh, we've had in years it's a crazy from the board absolutely crazy to keep them on crazy to go for these guys and it really has shown up the, the board this season I'm just imagining the, the big Rolodex sitting on Peter Lowell's desk mm -hmm. it's got four names in it he keeps spinning it round and round there's four <laughs> names there's Gordon Strachan Martin O'Neill Neil Lennon and Brendan Rodgers and there's a big red line through Brendan Rodgers he keeps spinning it over and over again Neil Lennon's already here who else is there? So what what we ended up with is John Kennedy in charge and like you said Mel, if John Kennedy was available to take over this team then he should have been I thought John Kennedy spoke very well in all his press interviews yeah. he's made it very very clear that he doesn't see this as an addition an audition for himself for the manager's job but should they should they Stephen I mean we're talking about a here that's a guy that's been at Celtic for a long long time he's a highly rated coach by all accounts someone that Brendan Rodgers wanted to take down to the Premier League as we've spoken about and people have mentioned a million times he obviously we know about his play, playing career at Celtic, but he's been a first team scout, under nineteen coach, development squad coach. Then about almost seven years ago, he, he first made it on at the bench as the first team coach, then assistant manager. He's he's a guy that's got a lot of qualifications. He's a guy that presumably must be looking at the next step in his career as as a, as a manager because there's nothing to be. Nothing's guaranteed for John Kennedy, is there, Stephen? Like, where does he go when the new guy comes in? He, the new guy will most certainly want to bring his own assistant in. Yeah. So do you think John Kennedy, you know, whilst publicly saying that he doesn't see this as an, an audition for the job, do you think he'll maybe be thinking to himself, you know, they need a manager and I want to be a manager? In almost every aspect, John Kennedy ticks almost every box for what we would be probably looking for in mm. a new manager. However, the, the fact remains... The elephant in the room here is that he's been here this whole time. He's been here yeah. you know, residing under, well, under Neil Lennon, of course, but he has been part of this season. Uh, I don't really believe that it's just all Neil Lennon and he's just telling John Kennedy, oh, shut up, see you with your modern ideas and I stick them up your ass. I'm not interested. <laughs> and he's just, John Kennedy sits back down John, and Neil see, Lennon see goes, if you mention, John, see if you mention to me one more time defending set pieces see if you say that to me one more time you're sacked I'm not interested I don't care what it says in your chart I don't care what it says in your retable I'm not doing one thing about defending set pieces Is that? do you think maybe that's the conversation aye, that aye. didn't happen 
Yeah. Told Johnny to sit back down and then he went back out to his technical area and started shouting, go, go, go forward. <laughs> Again, see, it's not as easy as it looks, John, is it? You want to give this a try? No, I, I, I don't believe that that's happening. I think John Kennedy is has to carry his share of the blame for this season as well. I don't know, I couldn't possibly speculate how much that is, but the fact is he is he is there, so he, he deserves to carry some of the can for it. It's unfortunate. If you'd asked me, maybe, in fact, I maybe even probably, I think I did say it. I think we said on one of our various podcasts, I think probably one of the Friday phone-ins we did, we were asked for a, a kind of managerial dream team or a realistic one. I think I said John Kennedy and Sean Maloney. I think I'd have been up for that. So if you'd asked me mm. before this disastrous season, I would have been Not right for up me, for Jeff. John Kennedy. Well, I mean, I'd have been right up for it this season. But after the, the disaster that's happened, I don't know if John Kennedy is kind of damaged goods when it comes to that. The thing is, Celtic have played it quite well. I think the worst thing they could have done was imply in any way that John Kennedy is going to be the manager going forward. Yeah. They basically just said he's he's there on an interim basis. What I he's been heavy friend zone, didn't he? He's been heavy <laughs> friend zone. John Kennedy is the guy in the girl's Instagram and she's wrote, love my best friend, hashtag best friend, hashtag guy friend. John Kennedy's the most friend... John I, Kennedy's been the most friend-zoned guy I've ever seen in this situation, isn't he, One of our fallen brothers. But what, <laughs> what, a final thing on John Kennedy's audition, such as it is, everyone, we're one game into it, and we'll talk about, about that a wee bit later on, but I think with seven or eight games as it was at the time to go, we will probably very quickly get used to John Kennedy being in the dugout. Things move very quickly. Yeah. We, will get, we will kind of get our heads around John Kennedy being the manager for now. But I just... I think Celtic need something else. I think they need a complete and utter reboot when it comes to these things. And if John Kennedy has a role at the club, I'm perfectly happy with that. But for now, it's not the it's not the hot seat. I feel quite sorry for John Kennedy for a lot of reasons. I think he's eight games is pretty poor to be honest because he's going to get flung in there and in two games time he's up against Rangers where mm. he simply has to win which isn't fair if Celtic were thought he was good enough to take over in this short term basis they should have gave him longer than the job they should have gave him a lot more than 10 games because it was done more than 10 games ago so they should have just said look we're going to go with John at the end of the season they've not even said the end of the season as well which I think is no. interesting they've just said interim manager now you could look at that two ways man you could say well there's someone going to come in before the end of the season so they don't want to promise the end of the season or worst case scenario they don't want to say end of the season in case the season kicks off next year and we're still sitting with John Kennedy in the running <laughs> yeah and look, I don't know if Celtic are from what I've heard, there's things going on in the background where they're trying to get people in, so I don't know if they're going to just wait till Rangers have got the title sealed, bring somebody in so it's not on their watch that Rangers won yeah. the title. But it's a bit harsh on John Kennedy, I think, if he had they got a bit longer. We would have got to see more of what he can do because right now, confidence is so low in the team, it doesn't look like we're going to see a big change. But I also feel quite sorry for him in the fact that from what I've heard from coaches, from what I've read from players from what I've heard about uh, managers who've worked under him every single person has praised John Kennedy very very highly, the only people that sort of don't praise John Kennedy or seem to have a bad opinion of him seems to be Celtic fans and look I can include myself in that because I think we need a change but at the same time if he was good enough for Brendan Rodgers to have around one to take down with him and he's got a very very good coaching team and he takes on guys he's not going to take on MD that thrown upon him so John Kennedy has got a very good reputation got a very good CV as well he's highly sought after probably yeah. he'll get a job no bother after this so if he does a decent enough job here and Celtic get a new manager in who wants to keep him I'm happy with that because I think he is a good coach from what I've heard but I'd get the point that we maybe need a fresh start but see if we bring a new guy in he has John Kennedy alongside him and we start winning everybody forgets about John Kennedy yeah. and Neil Lennon and just goes with the John Kennedy and the new guy well exactly that's exactly how I feel about John Kennedy it's it's the guy's CV based on his CV and as you said Steve he's got a lot of skills he's got a lot of you know attributes that we would want as a coach and there's no reason just to throw him out because at the end of the day Neil Lennon was the manager it was Neil Lennon's philosophy it was Neil Lennon that drove things and John Kennedy yeah. was there to put Neil Lennon's plans into action effectively that was John Kennedy's role in all this so I, I, I'm not saying I want John Kennedy's manager in fact I want us to aim a lot higher than John Kennedy but I, I, I don't see him as the tainted goods that perhaps a lot of yeah. other a lot of other Celtic fans see him 
David Moyes has already ruled himself out of the Celtic job. Um, you laugh, Melly, but David Moyes is doing quite well now. And if uh, I, I mean, <laughs> he's had the Champions League spots in England, is he? I, I mean, he's a guy that's turned down the Celtic job reportedly a number of times, so I'm not surprised at that. Scott Brown's also another name that's turned that's turned the job down he says he's far too young he's still doing his coaching badges and he wants to learn and that's terrific because I don't want Scott Brown anywhere near it um, I think that would be a maniacal decision uh, a couple <laughs> other Paul Lambert is a strange one he reportedly he ruled himself out of the Celtic job um, I think sort of citing what happened to Neil Lennon and saying that he, he doesn't want to come back and all that emotion he was only really wanting to come back as a fan and then shortly after that he was sacked or left Ipswich Um but Paul Lambert's another guy. I mean, you're, you're looking at Paul Lambert and you think, well, it's been a decade since you've been a, a successful manager. So he's another one I wouldn't necessarily want anywhere near the club. Roy Keane, another name that's been linked, another one that I don't want anywhere near the club. In fact, Stephen, if it came down to John Kennedy, Roy Keane, Paul Lambert, I would take John Kennedy in that instance, probably that instance Aye. only. 100% but I thought I was quite enjoying that I thought you were just going to do a comprehensive list of all the managers you don't want anywhere near the club <laughs> I'm going to that's well what I wanted to do is just make the point you know especially in Roy Keane if we can pause for a moment see that stuff Roy Keane does on Sky absolutely brilliant right I think he is torching his chance of becoming a successful manager on Sky mm, because right. a, a lot of people won't be able to tell what's a work and what's a shoot with Roy Keane and <laughs> right his impossibly high standards that he places on things on, on Sky and this gimmick that he's got which is very very entertaining he's going to walk into a changing room of players and they're going to go fuck no this guy do you know what I mean like there's <laughs> no room for error with Roy Keane and players just don't tolerate that so you know there are a couple of guys just to sort of revert back to John Kennedy ever so slightly there's a couple of guys that have been linked with the job that I would much prefer John Kennedy in ahead of Ah, oh, definitely I think almost Almost all of these jobbing managers, uh, these sort of work working change clubs every so often managers, like Paul Lambert, even Steve Clark, guys, Roy Keane, all these guys. No, he's another one. No, thank you. I, I'd rather have John Clark. Kennedy than almost any of these guys. If you were to put John Kennedy up against a kind of forward-thinking coach out of somewhere, out of kind of left field, I would have mixed feelings about it. I would, I would certainly listen to the debate over it. But I think John Kennedy is far more qualified than these guys to take over the Celtic job. And I say that having just said a few minutes ago that he, he shoulders his, his fair share of blame on this season. But very few people are more qualified than John Kennedy to step into the role. He's, he's, he's worked at every level up to and including the manager, albeit for one game. So no, I, I wouldn't have him... I wouldn't have Lambert or Keane or any of these guys over it at all. But a final thing, just on John Kennedy's situation, before we move on entirely, I think he is just the latest victim, the latest body to fall in what has become a disastrous season based on, and I'm going to, I'm going to be slightly controversial here, a Pals Act. John Kennedy is the yeah. latest victim of this Pals Act that has seen things drag on far, far too long. Nobody wanted to sack Neil Lennon because they all like him. And it went on far, far too long. So John Kennedy's career has taken a hit as a result of this thing as well. No one has come out a winner with regards to this old boys club, the bowling club behind the scenes mm. at Celtic. John Kennedy's career has taken a hit because things could have been very different if he had taken over in December or January or whatever and picked up things. We would be very seriously talking about him getting the job. But now he's just that kind of... I don't want to describe him as damaged goods, but he is tainted somewhat because of his involvement in this season. It might be, be a case you know, of... You John Kennedy as well, Stephen, just on what you're saying there. He might be looking at this situation going, do you know what, guys, I'll give you eight games, but after this, I'm going to try and find a job somewhere else. Maybe, this is a, yeah. This is a cartoon. <laughs> it is a cartoon, you're absolutely right. So if John Kennedy maybe goes away for a couple of years, maybe two or three years or whatever, because, you know, football moves fast. If he goes away and becomes a successful manager elsewhere, I'd be more than happy to, to welcome him back as a, a potential Celtic manager. But I think everyone needs a bit of a, as I said earlier, a wee bit of a fresh start. I think Celtic need a fresh new direction. John Kennedy could be part of that, but he's not the he's not the figurehead for it for me. There are some other names, Melly, linked to the Celtic job that, that make me feel a wee bit better about things. Uh, I'm not even going to entertain the bookies list because that's a, a lot of old bunkum. Um, but some of the names that sort of struck a chord with me were Walter Mazzari, he's been linked, Dominic Terent, Enzo Maresca, even Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney. Is there anyone in that list there that I mentioned? Sort of more forward-thinking guys, sort of European-level coaches looking for a manager's job type thing. Some of them have obviously managed... The, like for instance Dominic Terence managed at a, a decent level he was Pep's assistant in Manchester City as well is there anyone there that floats your boat? 
Uh, I've read up on Maresca and I'm quite on board with that. I'm not sure if it's Maresca I'm on board with or from what I've been told off a couple of different people that this Virgo Harkin is going to be in as the director of football and yeah. he's going to be bringing in the manager. So see if Celtic come in with Harkin and say Maresca because he works with Harkin now at Man City and they've got, here's the director of football, here's the head coach, here's his staff here's the scouting and all that. See if they bring that all in at once so they say this is what we're going to do. I'd be delighted with that because it's a structure, it's forward thinking, it's what we've all been asked for. But if they bring in a manager of like, Roy Keane's a bad example, but if they bring in Roy Keane, it's just going to be disastrous because there's nothing good's going to come of that. Hmm. Whereas if we have a structure there that you can see what they're trying to do, I'd be delighted with that from what I've read of Maresca, his sort of his philosophy, the way he plays suits Celtic. I want to see somebody with a sort of holistic approach to coaching, not just a manager anymore. We need somebody that's going to come in, develop players, whether it's Maresca, Torrent, or somebody we've not even heard of yet. I'm happy with that as long as it's forward thinking, a bit innovative and exciting as well, because Celtic are in a position here where Roy Keane, everybody would just go, oh, for fuck's sake, it's the old boys act, it's all this again, but we need a fresh start here, we need a fresh break from law, Lennon, all that nonsense, because Lennon showed himself up this year not to be good enough, and more importantly, the board have as well, so they need to do, some, they need to get this right, and they need the whole football structure to change. I, I'm not so concerned about, uh, uh, you know, bringing in a manager that develops players, I think maybe that's looking at the, a more expanded role again, you know, well, a head coach that does that because our whole philosophy is going to be bringing players to sell them on. So you can't just bring in a guy that has no experience doing that. No, no, no that's not what I'm that. saying. I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that's kind of like the role of the whole club. Do you know what I mean? I want I want proper structures in place for the youth team and I want the proper pathways coming through. And then I want, as you say, I do want a manager that's willing to play these guys when they're ready to be played um, and help them. But even the, even the likes of Fergal Harkin, like, I'm not entirely blown. I know he works for Manchester City. I'm not entirely blown away with him coming in as sort of director of football operations or sporting director or whatever. He's, he's football partnerships and pathways manager at Man City. Before that, he, he was working as a scout. But if you compare across the city to the fact that Rangers might get Ross Wilson, he was sporting director, the exact same role we were recruiting for, but he was doing it for Southampton. Uh, and they only got, got him, him because he's a fan. But He got him because he was a fan, but it's that level of sort of appointment that I think Celtic should be making. Enzo well, Maresca's an... In Sorry, Mel, go ahead. The last two appointments we've had has been Nicky Hammond, who worked at West Brom, that was a decent enough level, and Lee Congerton, who worked at a decent level before, and it's not really worked out. Maybe we're better going down with somebody that's worked in youth development, and we're probably going to need somebody that's worked in British football as well before with this Brexit nonsense coming in, because that's going to be our market now. Stephen, the one one name in that list that interests me is is Dominic Trent. Again, the, the Man City link there. He, he's just been sacked from Flamengo, but that was a bit of a weird situation. He was also manager at New York City before Ronnie Dyler took over. He's got a strong pedigree uh, in football management. He was with Pep everywhere as his assistant. Yeah, of course. And uh, just before I talk about that, I just want to rule out Walter Mazzari based on, entirely on his name. I'm not having a Walter in charge of it. No, it's it's impossible. Absolutely impossible. <laughs> but uh, Dominic Torrent is a guy who, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he's, he's a guy who really interests me actually because, you know, a lot of people are very sceptical of the constant links to Man City that Celtic have. But Me too. To me, I, I was meant to say that when we were talking about Fergal Harkin there, so let me just get that on the record. Yeah, well, the, the 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 thing is though, Man City have got a lot to be a lot to be envious of with the, yeah. their structure behind the scenes. I know they spend an awful lot of money, but within that, they get an awful lot right as well. That the the level of coaching that they put into it, the the recruitment is always excellent. That is obviously made easier by the fact that they can afford almost every player. But the difference between say, for example, Man City and uh, Man United or Chelsea is that they spend a lot of money and get most of the positions right, whereas these other clubs just fling money about and don't and do not do it properly. Man City are a club who, yes, they're kind of new money, uh, as it were, but they've, they, they've got a lot go going on that is probably worth paying attention to. I, I don't really have any concerns over it. I don't really want to be like a, a kind of feeder club for Man City, but at the same time, I, I don't really have any concerns over excessive connections to them 
Dominic no. Torrent is a guy who, again, kind of much like Kennedy, ticks an awful lot of boxes. He's a, a modern coach. He's quite old for it, right enough. I think he's, I think he's in his late fifties. He's not like one of these sort of Arteta style guys who's come up through the ranks under Pep Guardiola, and he's he's very young and just emerging into his first management role. He's, I think he's in his late fifties, but having managed Flamengo. He's obviously got something about him because Flamengo are legitimately one of the biggest clubs in the world and it's not to do with like worldwide fan bases. Purely by dint of being the biggest club in Brazil, they have an enormous fan base just based on population. They have millions and millions of fans, so there is there, there are the pressures that come with that. From what I can gather, everything I've read on the subject, including Tim Vickery writing up on it, his sacking was incredibly harsh. They seem to have just panicked, bowed to a little bit of fan pressure and just get rid of the guy when really... There are a lot of problems in Brazilian football. That, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need a bit of that here. <laughs> I know, if only we had a, a bit of panic about us and just, uh, just jumped the gun. <laughs> no hasty <laughs> <hasty> decisions. <laughs> uh, Flamengo, there's a lot of problems with Brazilian football in that their, their season doesn't line up with European football, so it runs kind of in a calendar year and there's complicated kind of state championships and all that. It's all kind of weird structure. So a lot of the players leave in their mid-season to go and sign for European clubs. And this is what happened to them there. That Pablo Marie, who is now back playing for Arsenal, a Spanish centre-half, was Flamengo's most important tactical player. He was a, a centre-half that held everything together and that allowed them to play a kind of high line of defence. Once he left, they weren't able to do it anymore and the results started changing and they just bagged the manager. So it's it's not really as simple as just looking at a guy's Wikipedia page and saying, oh, he's been sacked, he's a dud. He's, you know, I, I don't think Celtic can really afford to look at things as if, oh, this guy's been sacked, he's a failure. He's never won a title, yeah. he's a failure. So I know fans kind of do that, but I, I'd like to think that Celtic have been a wee bit more a wee bit more forensic in their analysis rather than just looking at things like that. Well, Guillaume Balaguer spoke on it. Someone asked him um, what he thought of Dominic Torrent, the Celtic manager, Guillaume Balaguer, the Spanish football journalist, said, uh, well, wouldn't that be interesting? It would be a very exciting move in my eyes. Number two to Pep at Bayern and City, and a great believer in possession-based football and the need to give a spectacle at fans. As a manager, mm. he won the league in three countries, cups, and he crucially helped to develop Pep's style. Would also be excited because it would be a fascinating journey to create an identity for Celtic. And I think as much as I really want Celtic to go for one of these European forward-thinking managers who know how to create an identity, who are in the mould of... I mean, someone that's worked that closely with Pep Guardiola... Probably knows a thing or two yeah. about kicking a ball about a part. <laughs> <laughs> Probably knows a bit about football. My worry is that as much as, you know, we all love Scotland and it's where we live and all that, it is a bit of a a small country. It's a mm, bit it can be yeah. a Scotland can be a bit of a shitty small country at times. And typically foreign football managers that come into Glasgow are met with some some sideways glances and a bit of ridicule from the Scottish press moreover, you know. They sort of don't often get the grace period that other British or even Scottish football managers get. And we saw that with Ron, even as recently as Ronnie Dyla. You know, his grace period was about three quarters shorter than Neil Lennon's grace period as as mm. in, in the second term here. It took Chris Sutton bloody months to come out, for example, Chris Sutton and criticise Neil Lennon to say it was time for him to go. He was ready for Ben and Ronnie Dyla in his first season. So that's an example of the sort of way that I think foreign managers are treated in this country. There's also, you know, this this need to win every single game, which Ronnie Dyla said on this podcast that he didn't realise when he first came into Celtic that, you know, there was a need to win. You just can't lose games. So managers really need to understand that and get that quickly. I think a manager who would represent sort of the best of both worlds for me, Melly, would be Roberto Martinez, a guy that's been linked with Celtic, him and Sean Maloney. That, that to me is a, that's a really, really good fit. I don't know how interested Roberto Martinez would be. He's been linked with big jobs in the past. Famously, he was linked, I'm sure, with the Real Madrid job at one point. Yeah. He's managing Belgium just now. But Belgium's international football. And this is Belgium's golden generation. They need to do something in this Jamie, tournament. This Jamie, wake up, mate. You're dreaming. You're dreaming Why? here. Why? He's not going to leave the number one <laughs> club in the world. And even, even if he somehow did, it's too late. He's going to be playing in that tournament till July and Celtic have got qualifiers in July. It's not going to work out. And Mate, Robert going to not bust my is. bubble. But the point I was going to make was <laughs> if he doesn't win anything in the summer with Belgium, he's had many, many cracks at it. So I don't know if he's going to get the chance to stay or leave. I think that the decision may be made for him, as they were calling this, the golden generation. But do you think that's, do you think that's too far? Do you think that's too much of a long shot? 
Yeah, I do. To be honest, you shot down me with Eddie Howe recently, and look, I can I can see that. But with Roberto Martinez, I just don't think there's any chance apart from the fact that he works alongside Sean Maloney and his wife Scottish. But he's been in Scottish football before. But if you're leaving Belgium, where he's got to number one. I think you could get a better job than Celtic. I know it's a massive job and we love the club, but he'd have his sights far higher than Celtic for me. <laughs> see, see a point you, had, you, you made there, Jamie, about the, the country that these guys are going to be entering into. Yeah, that, that is a problem. I don't. You know, there's no point in d- dismissing that. It is a problem because they will probably arrive to, as you say, we'll, we'll, we'll be kind here, we'll call it suspicion uh, when these mm-hmm. guys arrive. The problem here is that the, it is a small country and everybody's pals, everybody in the media and all these managers, they're all pals, they're all chums behind the scenes and we saw a lot of that with Lennon where a lot of people just refusing to criticise him. You listed Chris Sutton there, but he's pals with an awful lot more people than that. But it's the same kind of everywhere. If Celtic appoint a guy like, let's say, Dominic Tarrant or Maresca or something like that, you will get guys coming out in the media and talking about how it should have been, for example, Paul Hartley. It should have been him. Yeah. What does this guy know about Scottish football? You've got a guy who's been there, done it. Why is it no Yogi Hughes? And I realised I said that last. <laughs> I said that last week when when I was talking about <laughs> anybody given that, that sort of <laughs> new manager bounce. But you will get that. That that's just the the kind of wee backwards thinking backwater. The bowling club that, that we you'll get on this podcast. That's for no, sure. I won't. You'll no, get no. on this podcast. What what sort of mold? What sort of manager do you want to see come in, Stephen? What do, you don't need to give me a name, but give me some. Give me someone. Let's do a bit of um, role playing here. Give me the background of someone that you would like to see. Would you like to see someone, for example, that's is there a requirement for them to have won the league somewhere else or won a trophy somewhere else? Would you like to see someone? Uh, from the British market, would you prefer us to go abroad and bring someone from abroad? Or do you want to see someone like a lot of the people have been linked to good pedigree as assistants or first team coaches getting their first managerial gig at Celtic? What sort of mould would you like to see Celtic appoint? Yes, that. All of those right. things. <laughs> no. All of those but, things. <laughs> I'm not in the least bit concerned about the having won stuff before. Yes, that would be ideal. That would be a good thing to be able to point to. But I'm not really concerned about that being the entire profile because, you know, um, it's, a, it's a point Melly has, has made on a number of occasions. It's like Brendan Rodgers hadn't really won anything of note or any major trophy anyway. Martin O'Neill had won a, a cup or two at Leicester, but he didn't have league wins or anything like that. I'm not really that bothered about that. People need to maybe, not lower, but slightly adjust their expectations because there's, if you name a manager and any of the guys we've talked about here, they will immediately be met with, oh, what's he won? And I write that. I'm going to name a manager on this podcast that I want, by the way. So just okay, so right, don't, say, don't, don't say don't name a manager when Jamie's <laughs> about to name a manager. <laughs> but, um, but when people say what's he won, my point here is that See a guy who has got a solid record of winning leagues in another country, who has Champions League experience, who has never been sacked because, you know, as we've already discussed, being sacked apparently makes you a failure in Scotland. Mm. See, any guy who ticks all of these boxes, they're not coming to Celtic. As Mel has has already kind of alluded to, anyone who's got that in their record is going to be aiming at the Bundesliga or something like that. So a guy who ticks... One of the boxes would be fine, but a guy who has absolutely no black marks on his CV whatsoever just is simply unrealistic. It just doesn't happen. Melly, what sort of mould of manager do you want to see? I want to see a good style of play. I think mm-hmm. after what we've got with Lennon, we didn't have any real identity. I'd like somebody My to guy come ticks in that box. Really impose their style of play. If I was I was to give you names, my ideal one would be Eddie Howe. I think that's Not for maybe me. maybe attainable. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be out of work, by the way. I think Celtic could go and get a manager that's at a club. I mean, yeah. one thing I always remember is Sean Dyche, when the Rangers manager's aerial job was up, he considered it. He spoke to them when he was yeah. when he was manager at Burnley. So that yeah. you're looking at that and you're thinking, we could Celtic could probably attract a similar level of manager. Yeah, I, th- I think Eddie Howe, because of the sort of profile he is, I'd like him. I think from what I've read, read in Maresca, I like him, but... A wee left field appointment of Celtic get the right structure in, just for my own wee heart. Jabby Alonso, get him in. Get him Jabby, in. A- right, well, here's what I'm going to have to do now, right? Because that is so left field. I'm going to have to Google as we are recording this, Jabby Alonso, right? Just to see what do, he's do you actually to Google, doing. Google Jabby Alonso suit. 
And then tell me what you think. <laughs> oh my God, you're not picking a manager based purely on how, how well he dressed. <laughs> no, he just looks tremendous in a suit. But, but I just like the way he <laughs> played. And I think he's at Real Madrid B and he's been at Real Sociedad B. So somebody in that sort of mould, I think he'd bring a good style of football. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I think we do need a manager I think the transition would be easier if we brought someone in from the British Isles um, I think we need a manager who's ready for his next move a guy who's definitely got a playing style a manager that's well respected in the game perhaps at a smaller provincial club who's looking to make the next step so I know you're saying Eddie Howe could come here Melly, and, and make a name for himself and go down south you're very close but I, I, I think Graham Potter's a shout yeah, yeah, I'd like I'd like him. I'm not sure he'd leave Brighton. He's maybe he on the fringes of relegation right now. He's just not getting the results, but he's playing very well. But I'd love to get him, yeah. Uh, but, but what you would say to Graham Potter is he doesn't need to leave Brighton right now because the director of football's in here. We're going to be making moves. You know, there's 24 hours in a day, just like Dominic Mackay is working at the rugby. He's also got one eye on what's going on at Celtic. A couple of phone calls can be, you know, can be done. We can, we can appoint these guys at the end of the season. But I think Graham Potter's a manager who's got a good style. Um, he's got a great reputation down south. As you say, Brighton are not doing particularly well. He's probably not getting back to the level that he wants to be back there. He's, I reckon he's a guy that maybe must be looking for his, his next move. And I think he's a, a really solid football manager. And he's British, so he'll know when it that snatch that the press gave up here. Yeah, yeah do you he, know looks, annoying? he looks British as well. He looks like he's, very, he's got one of those very... well-end haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Do you know what else is pretty annoying about that? Was he not available? Did he not get the Brighton job at the same time we appointed Lennon in the shower? Oh, is that right? Yeah. The thing about Potter just now is, that, and, and again, it kind of feeds into what I was talking about with Tarrant and the, the media here. They'll immediately look at Brighton's league position and assume he is a failure because they are kind of hovering around the relegation zone. But the what's going on with Brighton just now is like a statistical anomaly of statistical yeah. anomalies. If you buy into anything to do with expected goals and you know th things like that they are vastly underperforming how they actually play and their finishing has been terrible like famously terrible they they don't have any strikers who can put the ball in the back of the net they've missed two penalties recently and in this like spell of eight games or something like that they should have scored something like eight to 12 goals but they've got two or something it's it's crazy the way it's going on at them so 
their problem is more to do with not having a, a suitable striker to convert the chances that they are creating for him. It's not really just to do with, ah, well, he's crap. He's a, he's a bad manager. Was he ever one or anything like that? He must be he must be looking, he must have one eye on his next move because Brighton are, you know, just because they play in the Premier League, their stadium holds, what, 30-odd thousand? They're a small club. Yeah, uh, there's no, no doubt he'll be ambitious, surely, because he's got a good reputation as a manager so far. And it'd be absolutely... Crazy to think as well that if he came to Celtic, we would end up with Billy Reid as his assistant, who was manager of Clyde at one point. Ooh. Imagine, imagine trying to sell that to the fans. Ah, this guy was at Clyde a few years ago, and now he's in the Celtic dugout. He knocked back Swansea. He knocked back Swansea, didn't he? And then it ended up down the line going to Brendan Rodgers. He knocked back Swansea right. to stay at Hamilton, did he not? That's, that's, that's that, that Billy Reid. That guy, that's that Billy Reid, yeah. Is it that? Geez, oh, right there we go. So th- that's that's my that's my pick. He's not been linked, but that's my. That's so you my don't s- want a Walter, but you want a Billy, and that's fine. I want a, I want a Billy and a Graham, and yeah, that that would do that would do me. So that that's my shout. You two can work in your own. I don't want MDL stealing that. That's my wee shout. Um, we did have an interim manager, and it was John Kennedy, and and like I said, it, it was it was it was when when Neil Lennon left. It was time to get excited about supporting Celtic again. John Kennedy said in his Aberdeen pre-match interview that there's things to work on. He's trying to take the emotion out of it and get the team back to realising why that they're good players and back to winning formula. It was all very structured, very formulaic. That's how he was going to do it. He was making comment about being very, very wasteful in front of goal. And he was making comment about how he doesn't want anyone to try and feel the need to be the hero and get the goal. But take these low opportunity chances, low percentage chances, and maybe work the ball a bit better and create better chances up front. And then at the back, become more organised, more structured, and sort of delete some of the mistakes and errors that we've been making throughout the season. And I thought to myself, well, great. And I was really, really looking forward to the Aberdeen game, um, just to see what sort of changes we might see. And I think in retrospect, I was a wee bit unrealistic. I said on the live preview show that I wanted Celtic to score three or four goals. That was stupid because this is a team who have struggled and suffered all season and their manager's just been sacked and you don't know what the mood in the camp's going to be. And to think that four days training under John Kennedy, Stephen was going to turn that around in any way, I think was a bit naive. Yeah, I think what you actually said was that you will accept no less than 4-0. On, on <laughs> I the, did, I said TV. don't yeah. dare come back into this changing room without <laughs> at least three goals in you. I, the, I think, yeah, it's been a strange old week for us all. I think um, John Kennedy made mention of that after the game. I think he said, you know, it's it's been an emotional week because, you know, though, let's face it, everyone would have... Neil Lennon's a very popular guy. There's no doubt that, yeah. that he was a very popular figure with the, the coaching staff and with the players. It was just that, sadly, not with the fans anymore. That, yeah, that, I think just know, before you move on, Stephen, I think that's worth noting, right? There was a there was a lot of shit spoken on the internet. People purporting to know things. Oh, Jeremy Frimpong left because he hates Neil Lennon. And the next nah, thing you know, Jeremy nah. Frimpong's pacing Neil Lennon to the hilt. And Stephen Welsh must be so fed up when Neil Lennon will get a chance. The next thing you know, Stephen Welsh is out praising Neil Lennon. Like, you don't know. There's, there's a lot of people making assumptions and, and putting out negative stories that had no basis in fact or reality nah. or anything that painted this picture of the whole team hating Neil Lennon and he's a dinosaur and all this sort of stuff. But that's not really been proven to be the case. So, you know, like you say, Stephen, they're the safer assumption is probably that the players are feeling a bit jaded and a bit down because the manager's just been binned. Yeah, and there was a lot of mud being slung in the last, well, in, towards the end. And it's kind of understandable because of how heightened everything was. We we had I've previously mentioned the fact that we were in ch- uncharted territory towards the end. We didn't know what was going to happen because no manager has ever lasted as long as that past the point yeah, of no return. Mental. But even as far as, the, you met, you mentioned Frimpong there, people are pointing to him as one of the, the bad apples. Like he must have been one of the ones who, who wasn't trying and all that. No basis in anything. The, the guy just left. That's, that's it. He just left because he got a cracking move. But the, the the mood in the camp this week will not have been the same as the, the fans. The fans are all... You know, they're all buoyed by the fact that Neil Lennon has finally gone and we were all looking forward to things. I think a lot of people were maybe getting carried away, myself included, right, because of the nature of the week we've just been through. Going into the Aberdeen game, we thought we were on the verge of this, a whole new world. Remember Jordan? Yeah. Was it Katie Price covered that? Remember that? God, and Peter Andre. <laughs> oh, new world. That was so bad. It was like one of those comedy auto-tune things. <laughs> so I think we, we all we all went into this week with uh, Katie Price and Peter Andre's version of A Whole New World in our heads. We were all really excited about it. And then watching the actual game itself, we were kind of reminded that uh, it's going to take more than a couple of days 
with yeah. just having removed Neil Lennon to fix the problems of this season. I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed it because there were a few curveballs thrown in there, mm. notably Klamala starting for the first time since I think about October or something like that, and certainly in the league anyway. There were there were things to, to pay attention to, but my key takeaway from the game was mm, some work to be done here. It's not just a case of removing Neil Lennon and, you know, the sun's never going to go down, we're never going to go old and that, that's everything's perfect now. There are there are still problems at the club. Aye, Millie, there's, there's definitely things to work on with, with this team, isn't there? There is. I think we, we didn't see that big a change in personnel and I, I can understand that from John Kennedy's point of view. I think there isn't much to change because we don't have many players available and also the fact he's not going to come out and completely change everything and just go as if I, I had nothing to do with Neil Lennon's thing. I don't think it's, it's that simple. But there was we there was wee different things within the game. I think Celtic played out from the back more. Scott Brown dropped deeper to get, get the ball and start playing out from the back. We tried to keep more possession rather than be a bit more direct. And for a change... I'm not going to say I was happy, but I was a wee bit encouraged by what we got from the fullbacks mm. because the two of them put in a decent cross each, which could have resulted in a goal. Now, I think between the two of them, they don't have any assists this season, Kenny and Laxalt, which is utterly, well, pathetic on Laxalt's part, but Kenny's just here. But I think we got a lot more out of them. They were, they were the width that we've been crying out for, but they've just maybe not got the quality. So I think if we can get more out of them, we try to control possession rather than just get it up front and... I think with Klamala, we've seen it in the first goal. Uh, Edward drops off to receive the ball and Klamala runs on. So it takes away nearly two defenders and opens up that space for Edward, who's dropped off. Christie fires it into him and he gets the shot away. So there was wee shoots of things, but I think with this... Is that something um, you want to see persist? Do you want to see John Kennedy stick as best he can with this formation, even if it means starting Klamala, who's only started five games this season? Do you want to see John Kennedy impose some sort of style onto the team? I think I'd like to see him impose more of his style. I think Kennedy is a disciple of Rogers, so he's going to sort of go back to that. And I think that's the way he prefer to play. But with this formation, I'm not really sure. I was saying to Tom on the match reaction, I get the feeling with this formation, it's a sort of specialised formation. So you need the players, everybody needs to know their job. But Celtic seem to start off well in games because they've got that extra man in midfield and they've got Christopher Iyer breaking out from defence. So they've always got that man over. But once teams feel their way into games, Celtic sort of fall out it because we're just going through the middle and it, it becomes congested. But what I liked about Kennedy was when he started to feel the game going like that, something we haven't seen this season from Lennon, he changed it. He went the 4-2-3-1 and he put on Ryan Christie out wide and brought on El Yanoussi. And I think going forward, if we can get El Yanoussi back in the team and James Forrest, I think that's something we can really look at with Turnbull in the number 10. We haven't tried that this season. But also as well, what I was impressed by, even though the team weren't playing well, when the game was starting to get a bit stretched, he brought on Sorrow and put him beside Scott Brown just to try and shore it up, whereas Neil Lennon's not had those two on the pitch at all, I think, this season. So he had his own wee tweaks here and there, which yeah. I was encouraged by. And I, I think going forward, I would like to get away from this formation and go back to the 4-2-3-1. I wanted to see us be a bit more clinical in front of goal. Um, a deflected shot beating Aberdeen have only scored once in their last five Yes, more than yeah, five more or than six games now, yeah. or something like that I, I I wanted to see his make a bit light work for Aberdeen and, and Ash Taylor still caused us problems at the back and Scott Bain kept us in it yeah yeah Ash Taylor I think was three times I think he was he was close to scoring um, in that game there was one that there was an absolutely great save from Scott Bain there yeah. was one that he kind of tipped onto the corner of the post and barred at one point as well and then there was one that I think Clamalla cleared off the line as well so I, Ash Taylor was causing all sorts of problems we could on another day, could have had another game where we'd conceded from a set piece to, to some centre half, which would have been just absolutely incredible. So at least we'd, we're not sitting here talking about that yet again. But um, in terms of in front of goal, Melly, you mentioned John Joe Kenny. And on, you know, if I, I tried to say it on another day there, but what I really mean is from another striker, we, he would have had an assist because yeah. it fell to Klamala. That was an yeah, absolutely great that. ball. Great ball he put across, and Klamala just kind of. Managed to screw it wide from from Wrong close technique. range. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's it. It probably wasn't as easy a chance to take as it looked, but at the same time, you need to be scoring those. Klamala is a guy. 
I really want to like him. I really want him to do well. Not just out of some sort of sense of irony, not like a banter thing where I'm just picking a guy to to back for no reason, like Gamboa or something like that over the years. I just, I actually just want to see him do well. But for the life of me, I just, I I can't really see it. And I I know people will automatically. He's been here a long time now, hasn't he? He's been here a long time and he's, he's passed through phases where other players have been off the boil, like Griffiths. Has, has been unfit and Edward's been unfit and missed games yeah. and Kamala's went from second choice to third choice to fourth choice back to second choice. He's not really, he's not really yeah. done it, has he? And people will hear me saying that and, and think it's very, very harsh and people people get in touch with us all the time to say that I, I don't think you're you're being fair to such and such a player but that, that's fine. That comes with with, uh, with fandom but people will stick up for, for players. I, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm writing the guy off or that I don't like him or I don't want him to do well. I just... And I'm not, I mean, um, but you're right though because he's yeah. been here over a year now. We paid three and a half million quid for him. He's 22 year old and he started five games. <laughs> well, that's it. The, the the things he does though are useful. Uh, I, in the past, I know the the live preview show we did before the game, I likened him to Kenny Miller, like a young Kenny Miller, and I don't mean to in that in a disparaging way. Kenny Miller at his peak was a pretty useful player. He just never got goals. Even at Celtic, he played probably. It wasn't at Celtic long. It maybe maybe made fifty appearances, but scored ten goals. Maybe the thing that I see about at Klamala is that he is probably capable of getting running in behind, stretching the play, making a nuisance of himself with defenders. But what I would say about that is, I don't think it's beyond the realms of imagination that Celtic could get a guy who who can do that, but can also score goals. I don't think yeah. that's impossible to find. So I don't think Klamala is ever going to be any more than what we're seeing just now. We're not talking about a 17-year-old. He is, as you said, Jamie, 22, going on 23. So yes, he, he still has a bit of development to do, but I just, I, I'm trying very, very hard to look closer than just, you know, he's not scoring goals. I'm trying to look past that and find aspects of play that are going to make him a starting Celtic striker going forward because we might lose, or we're going to lose Edward. Griffiths, we, we we don't know. I feel like every time we mention him, it is with the caveat that we don't know what's going on with Griffiths. Ayeti hasn't worked so far. We're looking for guys who can carry this going forward, and I, I can't kind of see, see I'm, a, I'm a kind of I'm the negative for you, man. I, I'm kind of looking at these guys and going, look, it's it's fresh start time. I mean, I would be looking to move Klamala on in the summer, frankly. Yeah. That, that would be eighteen months yeah. at the club, and he's not done it. Just just get him moved on. I mean, you're looking at like a Taylor Welsh, Julian McGregor, Forrest. Mikey Johnson, those are the guys, the, the six guys who are likely to be here next season and likely to be playing some football. I mm. think that's it. I think that's it. And anyone else, I mean, a Yeti, we can make a decision on him, but as you said, we've not really seen it either. But he, he, if I'm going to bin Klamal after 18 months, then I probably need to keep a Yeti around for 18 months to see yeah. if, he's actually, he's, if he's actually doing it. But I, I would just, someone like Patrick Kamala, I think, is, is likely just needing moved on, Melly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of him. And again, I'll go back to this formation. But I seen Klamala in a reserve game about a year ago, and I was just like, no, he's no, he's not got the quality to be a Celtic striker. So I'll go with that instinct. But in with this formation, I felt when we've played Ayeti, we've played Griffiths, and we've played all the midfielders up front and Klamala. Nobody's really taking a chance. Nobody said, I'm the guy that's going to partner Odson Edwards. So I think we can sort of get away from that because in the wee cameo that we've seen of El Yanusi coming on, I thought he did well. I thought he did. With Klamala, I never get the, the feeling that he's going to score in a game. He might do some good runs, make some space for other people, but I just don't think he's going to get a goal for us when we need it. Whereas El Yanusi, I think he's got 13 goals this season, none in his one in his last 12, but I think we're more likely to get goals out of him. I think if he just played him in a better position, as I said earlier, but I just don't, I really don't see it with Klamala. And everybody we've played up front alongside Edward, nobody's really taking the chance to say, look, I'm the man, so I think we can move away from that now. I mean, hypothetical, of course, and you know, largely rhetorical, but see if you put Klamala, and I'm really not trying to be unkind about this, I'm, I'm trying to just be look, look at it from a, a kind of sensible point of view. See if you would take Klamala and put him in the Hibs team, do you think he would be good? Do you think he would look good? Would he be an outstanding Hibs player? Would he be banging no, in no. 20, 25 goals a season for them? Because, yeah, well, not 20, 25, but Hibs have got your know, strikers who are capable of getting 15, 18, 20 goals in their ranks, would he necessarily stand out for them? 
If the answer is no, and I'm not expecting it to come from any of us, if the answer is no to that, then you're probably right, Jamie. It's not worth, not worth persevering with. Yeah, Jamie, you mentioned the players that were going to be here next season, and as scary as that is, how little there are, and probably how little quality is. One of them that you mentioned was Cal McGregor, and I'm starting to worry about Cal McGregor a wee bit. I think I spoke to Tom about it in the match reaction. He's not dominating games for me, and he's he's starting to look jaded. And this is Cal McGregor, who started every game for Celtic apart from one, and he still came on in that game. Now, is Cal McGregor going to get a rest to the end of the season? Highly doubtful due to the fact that who he is and how influential he is, but also there's nobody else to play. So he's going to go from this season, which has been so draining for all players, play for Scotland in the Euros, and then have a couple of weeks off and come straight back into Champions League qualifiers for Celtic. I've seen it before with Celtic, with Kieran Tierney, James Forrest. If we run these guys into the ground, it's going to take their toll on them. And Cal McGregor's getting to that age where he's he's getting to his late 20s, where it's not fair on the guy. We mm. need to start bringing in players so that we don't have to do this. The guy's played constant football for years now, and it's really starting to show in his performances. Because I had a look, and he's only got four goals this season. Mm. That's ridiculous for Cal McGregor. He's been... You can say, yes, he's been trying to put out fires elsewhere, trying to help out Scott Brown, but at what point do we start questioning his his performances? Because we know he's a 7, 8 out of 10 every week, but right now he's a 6 at best, and we need to get him back to his best. And how do we do that? Get good players around him, but maybe we need to take him out as well because it just doesn't look good. Four I, goals I, I for the guy, he, needs, he should be getting that in a month sometimes. I think he needs to just see the season out. I think he just needs to suck it up, though. I think it's what, eight games left. I think what everyone now, their main focus is not letting Rangers win the league at Parkhead, not letting yeah. Rangers go invincible, yeah. no letting Rangers whitewash us. You do that by beating Rangers at, at Selic Park. That is the focus for this season. And if you're jaded, if you're tired, if you're leaving, if you've got your contracts up, if you're wanting a new contract, doesn't matter what the situation is. The manager's gone now. You have one job this season. As pathetic as that is, and we'll talk about how pathetic <laughs> yeah. it is, Stephen, and you're rolling your eyes because you quite <laughs> can't believe it. And not, none of us can. As pathetic as that sounds, this season, all you have to do this season is one thing, and it's beat Rangers at Celtic Park in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, the, the McGregor. Th- I get that. I get that. The all the focus has to go on that slightly pathetic objective for, for the season, right? I, I get that. It's where we're at. I, I think, but it could have been managed better to this point. I think is the is the point here. The, we've heard a lot about fatigue this season. Sorrow came out after a couple of games because he was fatigued. A Yeti the same. A Yeti came in, started three games two of which he was taken off after an hour, and then he lost his place due to fatigue. But Callum McGregor has, is well on course to top the 60 appearances mark again this season he, for club and country. He's at 52 just now for Celtic in Scotland, and as Melly said, he's going to go straight into the Euros as well. The guy's, the guy's going to end up in bits. They keep playing him like this. Yeah. And there's been little focus on it because there are major issues elsewhere. But Celtic's midfield, as good as it looks on paper at the moment with McGregor, Turnbull, Sorrow as an option and Brown still playing that needs addressed as well because yeah. it's for me you need someone to help take the weight off of Callum McGregor at some point I'm not talking about a, a like for like replacement but maybe somebody who can play 15-20 games a season to alleviate that somewhat I don't think it's as simple as you let Brown retire and just automatically replace him with Sorrow we need somebody else in there as well yeah, need, well, need, Scott Brown needs replaced so so much work to be done so that this doesn't happen to Callum McGregor. The reason I bring up fatigue is that there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. Everyone else has been managed or it's been used as an excuse to drop them. But Callum McGregor is visibly, visibly struggling and nothing is ever done about it. And now we're in a situation where, as you described, Jay, can he really drop him now? <laughs> so we just need to play him to the end of the season. And that's... It's not fair. It's absolutely not fair on him. Just one last thing on the game. I think we've seen again that just how good a player Christopher Ayer is. If mm. we're talking about Cal McGregor maybe going to be captain next year, you'd love to think that if out of them all, I'd probably like to keep Christopher Ayer because he just looks great. I think he's going to go on and play at a good level. And we've seen again he's commanding at the back now. He's seen his games come on a lot. We haven't been defending well recently, but I don't think it's solely down to him. I just think he's a really important guy. And I feel like. When we get to this time next season, we'll think back to we had a really, really good player in Christopher Ayer, and I said it on Saturday again. I think he's going to be harder to replace than Odds and Edward because you can get strikers that will score you goals, 
in different roles, but getting a guy with the, the qualities of Christopher Ayer is going to be so difficult. Well, look at Kieran Tierney. I mean, getting £25 million for Kieran Tierney is no guarantee that you're going to be able to replace the guy. Easier said than done, of course, but now here we are two seasons on from losing Kieran Tierney. We've not come close to getting a guy who suits that position. So I'd be amazed we if we could... replaced Ayer. I'd be amazed well, if we could replace the quality of Christopher Ayer. We could be sitting here in two years' time thinking we've still never replaced Christopher Ayer and we've been through three or four unsuitable centre-halves in the meantime. So I'm just, I mean, hopefully not. Christopher Ayer is honestly the, the, I don't think we'll ever replace him. I don't think, well, not ever, but I don't think he'll be able to be replaced next season because the next Christopher Ayer should already be at the club. Christopher Ayer is the poster boy presently for Celtic's model of someone that came in five years ago. We built him up, we trained him, we created him into the, the first choice, one of the best players on the pitch that he is today. It's taken that long to get him. Where he, where he is and he's matured at exactly the right moment probably for Christopher Ayer more so than for us we could have had him at this level maybe last season and I mean he's had some sticky patches this season as well but he, he's really he, he, I'd be amazed if we could replace Christopher Ayer you never know there might be a guy who was the boy Ben Davies that we tried to lift with Preston who went on to Liverpool he's not really playing at Liverpool I suspect maybe, I, yeah. I really suspect that Come summer, Liverpool might have a bit of money to buy another centre half, and he might be he might be moved on and loan, and we might get another bite at that cherry. So that remains to be seen. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Melly. I'm very nervous about Christopher Ayer leaving and the prospects of of replacing him. When in fact the next one should already be at the club. Mm-hmm. Well, next up for John Kennedy, Celtic is Dundee United. We will be live on Patreon, bringing the big match build up, the live preview show. You can check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Twenty Minute Tim's. Regular listeners will know that we are appealing for five-star reviews on iTunes and Podcast Addict. Every week, we pick our best and send the winner a gold badge. We don't always read this out on the podcast, but we do religiously every week send out a gold badge to our favourite review. Stephen, who is this week's winner? Another couple of winners this week, guys. We're feeling generous again. First up, we had Lauren1991 describing as a... Psychological support and therapists stopping you from being gaslighted by Neil Lennon the board. But we also had mm. Mitch Boy 67 who reviewed us by saying, recent discovery for me. Where have you been? Where have you been, Mitch? And not a minute too soon. No punches pulled. And you're going to enjoy this. Guy Melly usually calls it spot on. Oh. oh, he's obviously getting the voices mixed up again. He must think <laughs> this guy speaking here, who's Jamie, by the way, must think I'm Melly. Keyword there, usually. Usually gets his <laughs> room for improvement. The guy's been listening for a month, so he's he's he's, met, he's hit Melly's hot hand here, but he's usually the worst one out of all three of us. Crucially, I usually get it spot on. What does that say for you? <laughs> Crucially, he has left room for improvement for us all. Mm. There, it's it's light encouragement, but could be better. <laughs> And on that bombshell, if you want to leave us a five-star review, go on to Podcast Addict or Apple Podcasts. Leave your Twitter username or some other way we can contact you, not your real name or address, obviously. And we will pick the winner each week. Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, folks. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Stephen, we made it through an episode of this podcast without one of Melly's shitty jokes. (laughs) Uh, There's still time. (laughs) Cut it, cut it just now. Uh, Goodbye from me, and thanks for listening. happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer budget-friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings united healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at uh1.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.